when I was a kid, I had this dream where I was playing in this swampy area, but at the time, I didn't know it was a swamp. I didn't know what that was. All I know was that I was playing in this wooded area where there was a lot of mud, a lot of water, and this green stuff all around. And there were a lot of trees that had these sad-looking limbs. And I was dressed all in white, so were the other kids. I had like on a white long sleeve shirt, some white pants, some white dress shoes, and some of the other kids had on similar stuff. Girls had on white dresses, like various types of white dresses. And we was playing in this area and we ended up coming out of the area into this backyard that had this huge, like nice, house it was a big mansion and all of a sudden the front part of the mansion turned into a cobbled street area with a lot of old-fashioned looking um storefronts or just windows and buildings excuse me and there was like a lot of people playing music in this long line and we were just in the middle of it just and I was just enjoying it it just felt like I belonged there fast forward probably a couple of months maybe a little time later my parents was watching tv and they so happened were watching cat people the 80s version starring Natasha Kinski and Malcolm McDowell I Notice the street that one of the the main character was driving on, riding on, and I said, "I've been there." And my mom was like, "What do you mean you've been there?" I said, "I've been there in my dreams. I've been there," and she was like, "What do you know about New Orleans?" And I said, "I don't know anything about New Orleans. I just know I've been there in my dreams before," and she probably don't remember that today but that always stuck with me and ever since then New Orleans has been this I don't know how to say I don't know how to explain it but it's been like this kindred um, home of some sort like I was I became obsessed with the city not knowing the history behind it and whatnot and so I started to read a lot learn a lot and then finally, surprisingly, I finally got to go to New Orleans, but it was during Mardi Gras, a week or two after I came out the closet. And leading up to that point, I just felt out of place after I, come, I had come out because it was, I didn't feel right. I kept getting all these people telling me when you come out, it's just going to be amazing. You're going to be feel you're going to feel true to yourself and your creativity is going to flow. It's not going to be stilted or, you know, it won't seem like you're hiding something. But it like about a week and a half after that, I just felt like complete and utter shit. And it took my best friend who is actually straight. He told me to cancel my plans, tell my 
job that I needed about a week and a half off or rather a week. And then he was going to take me to Mardi Gras because he was one of the few people who I told that story to. And he seemed to, for some reason, understand that that's probably what I needed. So as I went down to New Orleans with him, we experienced Mardi Gras during the weekend uh, before Fat Tuesday, and it was just amazing. And it was there where the floodgates finally released themselves, and I really felt proud to be the person that I was. Attention, attention, do not be disturbed. You are now leaving reality and entering midnight social distortion. Welcome back, my gays and strays. This is Midnight Social Distortion, and I'm your host, Marco Estes. This week, if you're still with me, and for all those who are still with me, I do thank you. I am so humbled and blessed to have you guys in my life, and I'm so glad that so many people are really loving the podcast. I was kind of nervous about that. I, you know... I'm blessed to just get at least I was looking for just 10 views or listens and they've gone up each episode. So I am very, very thankful for everybody who tunes in and tells everybody, everybody else to tune in, who retweets the podcast and supports it. Thank you all so much. And for all the new listeners, I appreciate you stopping by to see what I have to say and hopefully You'll stay for this episode and next week's episode and every episode after that. And if you don't mind, just leave a review um, to let me know that what you think. If, if there's any critiques that you would you know, like to help out with or anything, that would be also nice to hear or, or read. Anything that is you know, constructive, like if you don't have anything nice to say, please don't leave anything nasty. You know, but it's all good. And with that being said, um, let's get into some news right quick before I get into the main event. First off, if you have not went to the theater like me to see Spiral, the Book of Saw, then you can, if you choose to, see it for $19.99 on all the streaming platforms as of right now. Um, I don't know about renting something for $19.99 I, it's just you might as well go to the theater and pay that matinee price and probably save a good $10-$5 depending on where you, your location is I, I just don't see the point of me renting a movie for that much and not owning it that's just me personally it, it has to be something so monumental that I will be willing to actually sit there and just drop because $20 is like gas for the week, you know, so you have to look at, but that's just, that's y'all. I mean, for me, I have to look at my situation and what I'm willing to pay $20 for. Now, if it was like 
if you want to watch Saul, the if you want to watch Spiral, the Book of Saul for twenty dollars, you get to keep it. I would have purchased it, you know, because that means that I have an unlimited amount of time to watch it. But for me to pay, I think Amazon was like you can. Uh, Amazon Prime has it where you can watch. You can. It's available for thirty days after your purchase, but you'll have forty eight days to watch it in completion before I. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Somebody correct me. But the way it was worded, because I'm new to Amazon Prime, the way it was worded, it was like, if you watch it, if you, you have 30 days to watch it, but if you do start watching it within the 30 days, then you have 48 hours to complete it. And I just don't think that's worth $20 to me. Now, to anybody else out there, you know, go by all means. I mean, but for me, I might as well go to the theater and just watch it. At least I can go sit and watch it in one setting be done with it and just come home and get in my bed uh i don't have to rush and watch it within 30 days i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna pay that much i'm sure most people probably want to watch it right then and there but then there's also people who have busy lives and would get to stuff when they get to it and then they look up and it's like 30 days have passed and you just threw 20 dollars away but i don't think there's no i don't think there's any movie fan out there who is they're careless, but you never know. Also, from Bloody Disgusting, there was a new trailer that dropped this week for a movie called The Changed. I looked at it. It's starring Tony Todd, and it looks very creepy. It's like a new take on the Invasion of the Body Snatchers type scenario. But instead, it's about this, well, a satellite or something crashes on Earth or some type of thing crashes on Earth. And I guess the people that were like outside during the situation, maybe, I don't know. But I don't know if a lot of people end up becoming different or a.k.a. the changed. And the ones who didn't have 24 hours to come outside and become one of the changed or they're going to be forced to become one of the changed. And like I said, the trailer itself looked very interesting. I can't wait to see more from this and Blade Disgusting didn't give any release date or where you can probably stream it or watch it in theaters or whatnot but they said that you will have to look pay um, follow their coverage of the movie to find out more also as anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big American horror story whore I love all the seasons I don't have well the only season that I'm really not that fond of is Freak Show but I still got my life with some of the characters there was a, some great moments during that season it's just not if I have to rank it it would probably be in the bottom but the long story is American Horror Story is my shit so when next month hits all the way up until October you're going to hear me talk nonstop about American Horror Story. I might even cover it in terms of like doing reviews for each episode during the week. But this year's American Horror Story is, it's a, it's a new dawn. It's, a, it's the dawn of a new age for the franchise. Let me say it like that. Because the spinoff series is going to be released first. And it's next month on July 15th. And American Horror Stories is going to be one hour contained episodes of different stories that I think is going to be 10 episodes and that's going to lead up into I believe American Horror Story 
double feature, which is the season 10 title. I know a lot of people are like, that's bullshit, but I'm still here for it because we were deprived of any type of American Horror Story new episodes since 2019, I believe. Jesus, it's, it's been a whole year and a half since we've seen new American Horror Story. So American Horror Story double feature drops August 25th. For those who, for anybody who has Hulu, American Horror Stories is exclusively for Hulu, or rather FX on Hulu. You cannot watch American Horror Stories on FX. If you do not have FX, if you do not have Hulu, excuse me, if you do not have Hulu, you're going to miss out on American Horror Stories. I repeat, if your ass does not have American Horror Stories, if your ass does not have FX on Hulu or Hulu, you're going to miss out on American Horror Stories because there's going to be a lot of people like, when this is going to come out and it's not on FX and da 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 this and I don't have Hulu and, you know, so I'm just getting y'all know you have to have Hulu to watch American Horror Stories. Now, American Horror Story Double Feature is going to be on FX. So you get that. Also, why the last man is also going to be an FX on Hulu exclusive. Um, I am familiar with the title. I'm familiar with the comic book series. I'm familiar with the premise, which is some type of cataclysmic event wipes out all men on earth or all male mammals on earth, except for one man. And so the world is pretty much ran by women and because of that, the producers with the people behind the scenes wanted to make sure that people knew that every episode is going to be directed by women. And it's a majority um, female or woman behind the scenes that from, from casting from director down to casting director, women have their hands in this show. So just putting it out there. Also, what we do in the shadows premieres on September 2nd. I'm sorry, why the last man premieres September 13th, only on Hulu. And what we do in the shadows premieres on September 2nd on FX. I have still not seen season two of what we do in the shadows. I know I'm a jackass. I need to catch up. But if you haven't seen season one or even the movie that the what we do in the shadows, get your life and get on it while I get on season two and prepare for season three. Okay, so I also saw a trailer for Hail to the Deadites, which is a fan documentary for the, um, for the fans of the Evil Dead franchise that drops on July 27th to commemorate with the 40th anniversary of the Evil Dead. So I'm, I wouldn't call myself a big Deadite. Um, I do know that I love the first two movies. Army of Darkness is cool. For what it was i know a lot of people love that movie a lot but it's just the cabin in the woods setting for the first two movies and even the remake just do something to me also i'm a big fan of the remake i felt like out of all the remakes that we've had of 80s movies in the recent years that is the top tier that's how you do a remake that's how you remake something that it's within the, I guess, since it's 40th anniversary of the Evil Dead, within the last 40 years or 30, 30 to 40 years, movies that came out in the 80s for people like me, it seems like they came out like yesterday. But 
that's how you do a remake. And I feel like there's been movies that have come close to Evil Dead, but they've like barely missed the mark. So that's how you do a remake. So Hail to the Dead Ice comes out on July 27th. Also, as of this recording, A Quiet Place 2 is still knocking people's heads off in the box office and they already scheduled a new movie to be released on March 31st, 2023. Now, this is not the proposed third movie, but a rather rather a spinoff to expand the universe that is A Quiet Place. I still have not seen part one. I'm I'm working on it, but I'm getting to the point where I'm actually welcoming spinoff movies within a set universe. That way you can figure out what the hell is going on with other characters or other parts of the world that have to deal with this same situation. I think that's a proper way of doing franchises nowadays because you can only follow certain characters for so long before it gets kind of boring that nothing happens to them and you're just looking at all these new cast members being brought in to be killed off around them. So yeah, I am happy that they're exploring that other part of the universe. So now I'm going to switch it over from horror to some pop culture slash gay mess. Now. Okay. I'm one of the few people who were probably I wasn't too old when it came out because I was a fan of the books. But I remember when Gossip Girl premiered in college. I had already read most of the 10 book series and a few of the spinoff books. But when Gossip Girl hit in um, 2009 or no 2008, 2009, I was obsessed and I ended up not finishing it because some of the characters was doing were making very stupid moves. I think I got all the way to the fifth season premiere and I just didn't come back to it. And I saw that it kind of went out with a whimper because I know the sixth season was very truncated. Um, and the ridiculous reveal of who Gossip Girl was, was I don't even want to talk about that right now, but HBO Max is bringing back the show. Of course, none of the main cast members from the original show are coming back because they're big stars right now doing big and better things and having kids and marrying Ryan Reynolds and all this shit. So, but it's a new cast. It's a new group of people, new group of young people. I'm obsessed with them already. Don't know much about them because they're keeping the plot pretty much under wraps but HBO revealed HBO Max revealed a trailer for the new show that I actually loved some people say they didn't care for the trailer but I actually loved I loved how they remade remixed the um, theme from the first show and how they was slowly introducing the new characters and whatnot I actually watched that trailer I want to say about 20 times since then but it drops on July 8th so you know where I would be watching that and on the flip side a show that I was actually interested in watching one day was actually canceled this past week Jupiter's Legacy the Mark Miller Netflix show was canceled and for some reason they're doing another show called Super Crooks that takes place in the same universe as Jupiter's Legacy because it's the Millerverse and 
they're going to do that show instead and they're going to release everybody from their contract. Now, I'm kind of debating on watching the show now because I hate watching a Netflix show and then finding out like two weeks after premiered or maybe even a month that it's been canceled. That happened with October Faction and I was so pissed because I started watching it and then as when I started watching it, they announced it was canceled and I didn't have the urge to finish it because I hate cliffhanger endings for season for one season shows uh, I'm looking at you the secret circle I'm still not over that shit actually I'm I'm kind of really the I, I, I don't know the CW has still are still on my shit list for cancel the secret circle but that's another that's another topic for another day so yeah if you're a fan of Jupiter's legacy I'm so sorry it is gone and I don't know if Super Crooks is even going to get off the ground because they just announced it. And a lot of stuff for the Millerverse on Netflix was announced and we have yet to see anything come from it outside of Jupiter's Legacy. So hopefully something will come for that in the future. Um, I'm about to let the news go for right now and move on over to promotion None of these people have paid me to promote their stuff, but in the grand scheme of pride and how it has been debated or pretty much screamed at to support small businesses that are promoting pride stuff instead of running to the corporations like Target, Walmart, anybody that has a pride logo on their official website right now, pretty much. And, you know, just buy go those and support the actual small businesses that are supporting pride by either donating proceeds from certain stuff to certain organizations or whatnot. So I'm going to announce a few of those right now that I am proud of. And I feel like you should just check them out when you get the opportunity. First, we have Kill the Dead the podcast that I'm obsessed with, um, Gray, Devin, and Ash are all part of the Kill the Dead podcast. And they have a few shirts out this year that they're doing for Pride. And the I bought a short, a, a short, a shirt from them, I think last year, if not last year, it was the year before last. And... It was a shirt that had Mary Lou Maloney on the front of it with the pride flag across her. And I felt like I had to have it because it's Mary Lou Maloney. Um, and Hello Mary Lou Promenade 2 is, is queer fodder. So um, they have three new shirts out this year. Um, one has my favorite Elm Street queer um Jesse Walsh on the front of it and it has horror is for everyone it's from the iconic dance scene from a nightmare on street to Freddy's revenge and that's available on I want to say it's available on Teespring not Teespring um give me a second it's available on T public excuse me it's available on T public right now also available on Tee Public is a shirt that says "Kill the Dead," but the the um, 
first letters in each word are within the pride flag. And they also have a shirt that supports I need you which is ran by Devin Baldwin. And the shirt says, y'all are so rude. I need you jesse.com. You don't have to be gay to like the site, but it helps. And all proceeds from the sales of this shirt would go to the National Queer and Trans Therapist of Color Network. So get into that. And also, I don't know if I mentioned the last episode um, that I did get my Fright Night Part 2 bail shirt from Toxic Coffin. I gushed over it all week. And I also got the collectible trading cards which i'm not trading for shit they're going to be buried with me or cremated with me because um i'm just not i'm not giving it up for anybody so there's that and i got my shirt it's beautiful it fits well and of course it has bell on the front and back of it so it's a win-win on both on both sides of the token but they i don't know if they have any more left but you can go ahead and purchase that shirt. Hopefully they still have one of your size because they only did 50. So praying that you are able to get one of those shirts. Also, Julie Carmen, Regine herself, saw my shirt on Instagram and she reshared the pictures I took of it. And I gagged. I gagged. And I gagged. So thank you, Julie Carver, if you're listening. You're probably not. But if you are, thank you for doing it. And thank you, Toxic Coffin, for putting Belle on a T-shirt in a design as beautiful as that. And for put making a lengthy blog post about the movie and Belle in general. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Also, Horror Movie Steals is doing a shirt called Horror is Queer. The shirt is, I think it was designed by horror movie stills who are based, who, who is based in Alabama. We had a gushing, we had a, we gushed about how close we were, not knowing that we were that close. And the shirt is, the proceeds of the shirt is going to help support the black trans and LGBTQ community throughout rural areas in Alabama and across the South. Because, yeah, it's I'm not going to say it sucks to be. Well, it does suck because we have governors and leaders in high office who are like doing their damnedest to like crush LGBT teens hopes about participating in anything and also just trying to eradicate our existence from the rural south. But they're going to have a hard-ass fight. So, But thank you, Horror Movie Steals, for doing this shirt. The shirt includes gay icons Dr. Frankenfurter from the Barkyard Picture Show, Charlotte and Lizzie from The Perfection, a really fucked-up movie, um, Michael from The Quiet Room, Sam Wyman's The Quiet Room, Laurel from Bit, Glenn Glenda from Cedar Chucky, May from May, Theo from The Haunting, Jesse from A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, Jennifer from Jennifer's Body, and Carmilla from The Vampire Lovers. Now, this particular shirt is up for a campaign that's only going to run for two weeks. So from tonight, two weeks from tonight is when this campaign will end. So hopefully you were able to get a shirt while the supplies last and while the campaign lasts. 
And I'm already trying to get my own shirt, to be honest with you, because I'm collecting gay hard tees like they're the Infinity Stones. I'm, I'm like dead ass about that. Also, a good friend from Instagram, Jeremy Yeager, he has uh, a design. Well, he has a company called Von Toussaint, and they have a lot of great shirts for not really queer horror, but just, you know, pride in general. The website is weareshepherds.creator-spring.com. And they have a black pride t-shirt that, you know, has black and proud on the front of it. And you can get this also in a pullover. You can get it in a tank top. And you also can get other types of t-shirts that may be to your liking. One's called Montero, I Am Not a Sin. And they they are very, they're, they're original pieces. This is not something that they took and just... Um, well, they're all the shirts that are mentioned in this section are created from scratch, but this one was done and designed with, I believe, Jeremy's hand. So, um, these shirts are going to be available throughout the year. So not just during the month and your money will be going to help a black queer creator, which is just as well as helping you know any organization just put more pockets into the money of like actual black queer people and not somebody who is banking off of us because it's the right thing but they feel like it's the right thing to do and they can make extra money in the same time so the prices for these shirts the kill the dead shirts are going for right now on t public for 14 dollars um the Toxic Coffin Bale Fright Night Part 2 shirt is $27. Um, the Horror Movie Steals um, Campaign Horace Queer shirt is going for $22. And the Von Toussaint We Are the Shepherds shirts are going for $24.99. And the hoodie is going for $49.99. And there's another shirt on here that's going for $29.99. There are various prices on We Are Shepherds. So... That's that for that particular section. And now let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. And we're back. Um, Like I, I didn't mention the first part of the episode, but this week I've had a lot on my mind concerning black pride and black gay pride or just pride in general may ended on the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, otherwise known as black wall street. Now, a lot of people tell you that there's other massacres that happened throughout the U S history that have been erased from the history books. I mean, I don't even call them erased from the history books. They were never put in there to begin with. And especially the Tulsa massacre for a long time. You would probably hear about the Tulsa riots, but it was really a massacre. And as of late, a lot of people have been talking about it. You know, with the advent of social media, it's come to the social, but but it's been, it's coming to the mindset of a lot of people, especially a lot of black youth. And, 
a lot of people are enraged that they did not hear about this. There's actually people in Tulsa who didn't hear about it until they were actually adults and in college or residents of Oklahoma or citizens of Oklahoma rather. And that's, that's pretty fucked up. So with this 100th anniversary of this horrendous act on black people, it led right into pride. And so the weekend of the anniversary, the events took place on May 31st to June 1st, 1921. So this, so this past weekend, a lot of networks put together some documentaries and I was able to see two of them and a few of them aren't going to come out until later this month. I think one is going to premiere on June 15th, but I was able to see the documentary on the history channel that was produced by Russell Westbrook. And it was called, I believe Tulsa burning that I watched four times because they aired it from seven o'clock that night till about, I want to say one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning and I watched it on each viewing to make sure that I got enough information from what was happening. And I didn't get a chance to watch all of LeBron James's produced Dreamland that he produced for CNN. That's going to air, as of this recording, it's going to air Saturday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, I believe, 8 o'clock Central. There's also a podcast. I want to say the History Channel is doing a podcast it's called Blind Spot, and it's about the Tulsa Massacre. And PBS did one. Gail King hosted, I believe, a 30-minute special that's actually on Hulu right now. It aired on Monday night, and I didn't get a chance to watch that one either. But it's on Hulu. And the reason why this has been heavy on my mind is because it reminds me, again, about... Um, Bale from Fright Night Part 2, who is an integral part of this group of dangerous vampires, but didn't have one line of dialogue. So I equate Bale to being like the the figurehead of black gay people. Um, and it's hard to, you, you, you're first seen as being a black person, but it's just the fact that you're silenced sometimes. And also on and as a whole in the gay community you're silenced so i feel that i, I it was it was existential i would say existential crisis but i had an existential moment going from the trauma of seeing black wall street get burned up during the weekend in actual in an actual documentary i was already in tears watching it on watchmen the sequel television series for the comic books and also in the rewind 1921 episode of Lovecraft country last year. But it's another thing when you see it, like to see the actual events and how it unfolded. And when you go deep into the research and realize that we realize what could have been if the white gym, if the white people who were looking for a chance to just take away this beautiful black community because they couldn't, they can't stand it. So, <coughs> so in 
So I went from feeling that to feeling to going into pride. And like, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was doing all the, you know, pride stuff this past Tuesday. I was, you know, posting pictures, posting pride, heart, you know, heartfelt pride posts, resharing or just putting up stuff to, you know, educate people on pride and to be prideful of who you are and whatnot. But for a black person, well, for a black gay person, that is double, you know, black and proud. That means so much more now. So I was trying to figure out how I can incorporate how I was feeling with the Tulsa massacre and pride, like smashing into each other in a manner that was as a, as a black gay man, you couldn't ignore. And I decided to take um, the date of Curtis David, um, her um, hearts, um, heart, is it harder or hurt? I'm sorry, y'all. Um, I had to take Curtis David Harder's Spiral, not Spiral the Book of Saul, but Spiral 2019-2020. premiered on Shutter in 2020. And I was going to use that as a means to explain where I'm coming from. Now, if you have not seen Spiral, it is a damn good movie. I initially was feeling some type of way when I watched it, and I'll get into it in a few minutes, though. But it stars Jeffrey Bauer Chapman and Chandra, Chandra West, Lachlan Monroe, and Ari Cohen. And it's about an interracial gay couple who moves into this suburban neighborhood. And the main character, Malik, who was played by Jeffrey Bauer Chapman, starts to sense that their new neighborhood has a sinister, a sinister undertone to it and that they may be trying to plot running them out of the neighborhood or even something far worse. The movie takes place in the mid nineties. So it's very heavy on the, you know, anti-gay and him being the only black person. It's just, they didn't go all out with it. It was just the microaggressions that was throughout the movie. But I talked about this with Brother Ghoulish on the Brother Ghoulish Tune podcast last year with Ryan Kenny, and we had a lengthy conversation about it because I was interested in seeing how white audiences would take the movie because there's so much you can get from it from a white lens, but as two black queer men, me and Ryan was just picking up stuff left and right. Like, did you see this? Yeah. Did you pick up on this? Oh shit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, so we picked up a lot out of that movie and it was just, it was amazing. And uh, a quick tip before I get into the meat and potatoes of the movie, um, Jeffrey Bauer Chapman, his the writers of the movie who were two of his friends, they came to him with the script and the, the movie was written by John Poliquin, I hope I pronounced it correctly, and Colin Minahan. And Colin Minahan also wrote um, the queer horror film, What Keeps You Alive? So they came to Jeffrey Bauer Chapman to read the script and Jeffrey read it. And he said that the main character Malik, and I'm praying that they didn't have a white man cast with the name Malik, because I don't know anybody white whose name is Malik, but you know, you'd be surprised. 
But he said that Malik should be a, a, a person of color to add layers to the story. And when I read that before I watched the movie, I was looking for them to talk about race in a, in, in a, in a racial relationship and just in a, being a black or a person of color in an all white community. Now, the thing about the movie was that it didn't directly engage in it where to the point where you was like, you know, Malik would go on a rant about being black in the community and whatnot. But he gave a line in the movie that pretty much was like, you, it wasn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't banging on the head to the viewer that, you know, because some of the stuff that happened in the movie up to that point, again, if you are a black person or a white or a person of color, you know, Asian, Native American, Indian, whatever, if you watch that movie and you could pick up on the microaggressions that the white characters were doing, even even um, Malik's husband, Aaron, who was played by Ari Cohen, even he was doing some microaggressions in the relationship. It was just, you know, that it, sp- it spoke volumes. Sometimes subtlety, subtlety is can elevate a topic so well. There was a scene in the movie, spoiler if you haven't seen it, where... Chandra West as Tiffany comes to introduce herself to the couple once they get settled in and Malik was down the yard working and so Tiffany comes over and introduces herself to Aaron and she was like I see your gardener your or your landscaper and I thought to come over here and introduce myself and Aaron was like I don't have a landscaper or gardener he, and she said oh well, I saw a a black guy out here and she he was like oh you mean my husband and so Malik comes in and kisses or hugs Aaron it's like hi how are you doing and you could tell that Tiffany was like oh but it was more along the lines of the fact that she knew that they were together she was just being messy and that is that that type of behavior is just as irritating as somebody just coming out straight and saying like oh you're a black and gay couple blah 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 it's just the fact that the microaggressions are just as problematic and the way the scene was directed the way it was acted it really was like I couldn't help but just come out my mouth I was watching saying that bitch because it, it just really infuriated me so when you take a movie like Spiral, which goes into, you know, the whole, oh, if, you know, why, you know, oh, yeah, it should be, I love is love. You have all the white characters being like, love is love, and you can love whoever you want, and this, this, and that, and Malika just sitting there like, uh-huh, because he's seen it, he's heard it, and he knows the bullshit, you know, for what it is, and I felt like him giving that writers or the um the critique to the writers to just make the character a character a person of color really it did what it's what he said it would do it, would, it elevated the movie to a whole other level of intersectionality and the, of the intersectionality of being a black gay man in an all-white community 
married to not just a white man, a white gay man, but a white gay man with a daughter. So there's all types of, you know, problematic stuff going on, probably with the from, from the mindset of the white community. I don't want to spoil the twist of the movie, though, but there's some supernatural shit going on. But I feel that it was a for me, it was a, a, a step forward and providing a story like that because the the main one of the main things for the character of Malik was that he had a he had an event that happened to him when he was when he was younger his um previous his first boyfriend was attacked they were attacked and he had been taking like I guess antidepressants or anxiety pills ever since then or some type of medication so whenever he would see something or even even there was a there was a part of the movie where it was just blatant somebody broke into the house and wrote the f word on their wall they spray painted on their wall and when he brought these issues up to his husband his husband brushed them off like you're imagining things you're overanalyzing stuff and as a black gay man, that is irritating as fuck because it's blatant gaslighting. Be, you as a because when you I'm not gonna say because I've never been in an interracial in, a, in an interracial relationship, but I've been in friendships and in situations with even other black people where it was just like you're overanalyzing stuff. Even when you're picking up on the the um the microaggressions and on the the little jabs all in a joking manner and when you sit there and you kind of either put up a wall or you close up or you snap back then the automatic it the automatic um response is for them to feel like you lashed out for no reason whatsoever and i felt like harder or rather um the director harder he showcased that really well and Ari Cohen as Aaron really got on my nerves because if anything you should know that Malik was telling the well, you should you should have looked into it with Malik um you should have looked into Malik's claims more clear but I'm trying how I'm trying to say this he should have looked at Malik's claims a bit um with more care and more with with the care knowing that his boyfriend or his husband was traumatized so there's certain triggers and you can't dismiss those triggers you need to be there for them to help them um either cope with said triggers or just investigate to see if his feelings are valid not saying that they're not valid not saying they're invalid just because he had those feelings but the fact that it's constant and you should see that you know you should you should know your partner well enough to know that when they're telling the truth and when they're probably you know are just having an episode but it just the movie turns into the whole like everybody in Malik's life is just like oh nothing's wrong you're paranoid here it takes a medication now and I think this is the when you take that apply that to the real world, when you have like people out here trying to tell you there's no racism, people are overreacting, you're just 
spewing woke politics and shit like that. That is irritating as fuck. It is very dis. It's very. What's the way I'm looking? It's, it's belittling and it's degrading. And I felt like the movie showcased it pretty well with the character of Malik, who I look at as a gay icon now, you know, because I just wish that there was some move, some uh, there was some parts of the movie where he made some pretty dumb mistakes, but I just wish that um I don't I don't I'm trying not to spoil the movie because I really want people to watch it and I want them to watch it and tell me their take of it because outside of a few people um, in the gay community and a few um, straight friends of mine who've seen it, I just, I want more people to talk about it. They've the only ones who've talked about it or have it on their podcast to talk about. So, but I feel like Malik should be championed as being the patron saint of black gay horror characters because he really, really went through it and, Kudos to Jeffrey Bow Chapman for, you know, taking on that role and doing what he could with it. So, but the reason I brought up Spiral within the intersectionality of the anniversary of Tulsa riot, the Tulsa massacre and Pride 2021 is, like I said before, and when I was explaining, it is very. It's hard to be, I'm not saying it's not hard for anybody out there. To be, it's hard to be a black man. It's hard to be a black gay man. It's hard to be a gay, it's hard to be probably a, a, a cisgendered gay man. But I feel that it, to, to ignore the plight of the, whether to ignore the, <coughs> excuse me, to ignore the work and the activism of black queer people, black trans people who have bled true blood, I mean, have bled blood, sweat and tears to give the rights that you call yourself being uh, a gatekeeper over is just point blank and period, just fucking wrong. Um, so, I, you know, I was saying when I ended the last episode, I was talking about how people was talking about, like, excluding, like, like either quieting down the sexual aspects of pride and not realizing that it was, you know, the people, the leather people and all those who helped bring pride, who fought for us to have a pride, for the corporations to sit there and acknowledge us for who we are and for them to get these pride flags all over the place. But I feel that a lot of people should do their research before they go into this whole spill, like trying to tell people who should be at pride, what should be going on at pride and how certain people should conduct themselves at pride. Now, and it, it's just, it goes back into the whole like silencing those black and brown activists who were who gave us the shit that we're taking for granted today. And so when you look at something like Spiral, where you have, you know, pretty much 
a black man sitting here trying to save his family from destruction and they ignoring him, ignoring his cries of, you know, injustice and ignoring his, his, um, sacrifices he's doing to try to save them it's it's just and just completely turning their back on him just to be seen or be accepted by their white peers it it's it's i i just can't i just it, it just infuriates me so it could it's like if anything spiral was even though it was set in the early in the mid 90s this shit's still going on today. And most of the people who are crying for certain things to not be done at Pride are either being, they're either being, what's the word I'm looking for? Coursed by straight cisgendered allies who wants to be a part of everything because they cannot bear not being a part of something they have to be a part they have to have their foot in hands of something 24 7 365 52 a year they cannot let us have our spaces and that's not just with gay people but also with black spaces as well it's like they constantly have to have their hands of something and and if it's not there then it's like it's it's reverse racism which is not which is not a thing don't even buy into this shit so I feel like Spiral is a great representation of that and Spiral is also kind of reminiscent of when you erase a certain hit when you try to negate or erase a certain part of history it reminds me also of the Tulsa Massacre when you know you have people trying to say it wasn't that bad and it was like a few bad seeds and you know there were even the black people had guns. They had guns to protect their damn selves. They had guns to protect the community that they built. They had guns to protect their houses. And they they all they had was guns. And then these people came in and bombed certain areas of Greenwood, which is the neighborhood where the where the black population in Tulsa resided in. Well not the entire black population, but Black Wall Street, pretty much. So they bought, as you saw in like Lovecraft Country, that wasn't just something that they added in there to razzle dazzle. It wasn't something they added in Watchmen to just be like, oh, look at how horrible it was. That shit actually happened. And so I'm I'm glad that Misha Green and Damon Lindenoff like is really like pushing was pushing this shit in people's eyes. Like, no, they had fighter planes dropping bombs on innocent black people, babies, children elderly people getting bombed because they they were living they were just living their lives and stuff like that so i mean according to the tulsahistory.org website about 1256 homes were destroyed churches schools a library hospitals let alone the businesses that was torn down and about 300 to 300 some odd people were killed. Some were buried in mass graves across the area that they just unearthed. And one of the, uh, in the documentaries, they talked about how those mass graves were finally unearthed last year. So, and to think that they're trying to like, not 
had this be taught in schools it's maddening it is maddening so as a black gay man i did have an existential moment about like what could have been if the greenwood district of tulsa and black wall street had a prospered if it had of thrived if it had a survived and god knows we probably had a billion we probably had like black sheraton um, um sheraton and hilton hotels and stuff like that you know um we could have had so much great stuff or just a great dynasties and whatnot and this is why there's not many black owned businesses that aren't like up in the outside of you know single-handedly like oprah winfrey or um hell some of the basketball players or whatnot but it's just the fact that just multiply like a thousand oprah winfrey's just imagine how much was taken from the black community so i was feeling like should i be prideful i mean should i go into pride with the sense of pride being a gap i don't want to forget the the some the um those who didn't survive Tulsa and those who did survive Tulsa who were still fighting for recognition, but I wanted to combine both of those and not forget them going into pride. So that's where I'm at with that right now. But if you do get a chance to go see, uh, if you do get a chance, check out Shutter on, or check out Spiral on Shutter. Let me know what you think about the movie. I probably didn't do a good review on it, but just tell me what you think about the movie um, and what other things did you pick up in the movie if you did see it. If you did see the movie, let me know in the comment section what you thought or even DM me on Instagram. Tweet me on Twitter at The Anti-Critic. DM me on Instagram at Midnight Social Distortion or Marco Estes. Let me know what you thought about Spiral. Let me know if you are aware of not just the Tulsa massacre but all the other massacres across the um southeast united states and across the united states in general slocum texas um the slocum massacre i'm just now learning about there's actually a map that shows you all of the massacres that happen to like mainly black towns rosewood you know for one you know so just let us let, let, let me know let me know and so when so when you say you know happy pride you know for black people it, for black gay people it's double that it's happy you know because we have to endure being black in America we have to also endure being black and gay in America so it means double for us and I guess I'll end it on that for this particular segment I will return with the closing. Welcome back. Um, I'm going to leave you this week with a piece I wrote back in 2014, right after I came out, that it goes into depth about my come with my acceptance of who I was finally, despite me actually knowing it, but just me actually seeing it 
and just feeling it. It's one thing to say that you know who you are. It's another thing to feel it. Um, I mean, genuinely feel it. Like when your soul stirs, you can say something all day long, but when your soul stirs in unison with those words, it's magical. So I'm going to leave you with this piece that I wrote uh, back in 2014, March 9th, as a matter of fact, which was right when I came home, probably the same weekend, probably of Mardi Gras, but I know it was probably when I came home about how I felt when I find that at that moment when I finally was like, I finally could breathe. Picture, if you will, a young black man on a personal journey in the midst of the chaos known as New Orleans during Mardi Gras. He ends up in an establishment on Bourbon Street where the music is just as lively as the gyrating bodies keeping up with his heavy bass and melodic beats. In the middle of this vivacious crowd stands two older black men, gay and deeply in love, dancing with each other passionately. The young black man was mesmerized by this striking scene because he realized that not only were the two lovers happily enjoying themselves with no care in the world, but the crowd around them, the crowd around them didn't care either. Let me repeat that. The crowd did not care either. They were any, there weren't any stares to discuss no forms of childish finger pointing or giggling, you know, just harmonizing love, peaceful, harmonizing love. The crowd did not care. They did not care. This wrecking ball of a revelation broke into something deeply personal for the young black man. Something which always aimed at the mental concrete ball within his soul, but was never successful of breaking through no matter the person of literature delivering the message. They do not care nobody cares mark as the young black man watched this beautiful black couple enjoy their life their unconditional love serving as a beacon of hope one of the lovers spotted him possibly feeling the young black man's intense gaze upon him and his mate that older black gentleman matched his younger counterpart's gaze of interest and awe but instead of annoyance there was an instant connection between the two Maybe it was the sense of wonder generating from the young black man who encouraged the older gentleman to hold his gaze with his arresting person. Or maybe it was the freshly purchased rainbow pride flag clutched proudly in the younger man's hand. It's bright and bold colors reflecting the revelatory awakening spirit generating their connection at that very moment. Whatever the case, that moment was purely magical on so many levels, tear-inducing almost. The older gentleman, still dancing seductively with his lover, gradually made his way to the young black man holding the rainbow pride flag. Surprisingly, their gaze never faltered. As the couple made their way off the dance floor, the older gentleman walked towards the young black man he just shared a temporary connection with and pounded fist with his new comrade, a knowing smile on his face. The common gesture might seem menial to most people, but at that very instant, that fist pound served as the final strike against the mental blockage with that young man's mind. Life began to seep through the cracks of his steely resolve until it couldn't withstand the restless pressure, finally giving in to the weight of a long-awaited breath that was impossible to hold any longer. 
The young black man became fluid in his surroundings. The fear that had haunted him for most of the 30 years of his life evaporated into the hazy smoke and sultry environment of the New Orleans club's atmosphere. The young black man, excuse me, I started to finally live. That fist pound was like an electrical charge, a skeleton key to an inheritance of sorts to a life worth living. It released me. It demanded for me to live in the moment and live for myself. Yes, that message was drilled into my head since before college, but it always was a mirage of sorts when it came time for me to put the sound of vice into play. I never believed it, not until last night. That's when I really felt it. The brick to the face divulgence felt supernatural as if that specific fixed moment in time was supposed to happen, as if that mesmerizing beautiful couple were angels manifested to properly deliver the message that was constantly getting returned to sender. My God, I'd never felt so emotionally free before in my entire life and actually believe it. It's incredible how something so small and innocent can change someone's life around in one given thoughtless moment. I hope that I will do the same for someone else one day. But until then, I will continue loving me. I will continue building me. I will continue being me. M-E, your son, brother, cousin, best friend, lover, pal. Falling in love with yourself is the greatest love affair of all. Everything else just comes naturally afterwards. And that is the episode. So, don't forget to subscribe Follow me on Instagram at Marco Estes at, or at Midnight Social Distortion. I'm also on Twitter at The Anti-Critic. And I am on Clubhouse. You can find me under MS Distortion. That is M-S-D-I-S-T-O-R-T-I-O-N. And also, I'm thinking about reactivating my Facebook page soon. So... Just to support the podcast, I may have to do a lot of spring cleaning on there because I just can't do the ignorant comments or whatnot. Or those who follow Fox News or put up anything that is not fact-checkable, that they did not fact-check before they posted. I, I, that is a big-ass pet peeve of mine. So I maybe will open up Facebook soon again. I don't know yet. Also, check me out on I think I ran out of social media platforms maybe I need to create some more who knows until next time happy pride stay safe stay spooky most importantly and I'll see you next week bye Midnight Social Distortion is brought to you by Marco Estes and Ghost Story by Kevin McDonald was featured during the first portion of the podcast. I do not own the rights to this song and yeah, until next time, peace.